Hi, my name is Katie Freeman, and I am the host of this podcast. I'm the host of the Maker Mom podcast, which is released weekly on Fridays, where I uh, interview another Maker Mom about her journey to becoming a maker and the hectic life of being a mom. And now this brand new segment, which started just last week, called The Wonder Women, where I interview make females who are makers and but aren't moms. All right, so we're gonna get everybody included now and get two episodes a week with me. And today's guest is none other than Jessie Ueda of iJessup. Super stoked to have her on the show. Um, I followed Jessie for a little while when she kind of first came on the scene and being on Ben's channel, uh, Homemade Modern, uh, but I had never really had a chance to talk with her in person until this February 2020 at WorkbenchCon, which seems like seriously a millennial ago uh, with all this COVID stuff, but I had a great time chatting with her there, um, especially shared the love that uh, my daughter's name is Jessie and loves meeting anybody else named Jessie. So she was thrilled that somebody so awesome like Jessie Ueda even existed. So I asked Jessie to be a guest on this new segment, The Wonder Women. She said yes, and I am absolutely thrilled. But before we get over to that interview, I need to give a shout out and thanks to all of my patrons over on Patreon. All right, so thank you, Laura Oakley Soap Company, Mary Lou Made by Mary Lou, Amy Bison Valley Carving, Dan and Kelly Reclaim Living Store, Brandy Studio Obey, Kathy, One Girl and Her Tools, Ellen, Little Bear Furniture, Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much. I do greatly appreciate your support over on Patreon. And stick around to the end of the episode so you can find out how you can support the podcast, which is now two episodes a week, if you are enjoying this. All right, so let's jump on in to chatting with Jesse. So really, I just want to start with, I mean, I'm sure everyone's going to know who you are, but can you go ahead and give an introduction about yourself? Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes. Um, <laughs> my name is Jessie, and I go by the handle iJessup on all the social medias, and I make things, which is a very, very broad term for I do things that I don't know how to do, but you know, just figure it out along the way. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so excuse my dog. I don't know how much of that you can hear through. The microphone. No worries. <laughs> this one back here at any point is going to start growling for no reason. So <laughs> what are you going to do? I'm just starting to call them all my co-hosts and deal with it. Um, the peanut gallery. That's right. The peanut gallery. Um, okay. So I found you through your brother. I don't know if that's a typical way that people find you or not. Pretty uh, much. <laughs> I think it's I don't fair know. to say. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about that or not feel about that. Uh, <laughs> well, it's it's interesting because, I, I mean, of course, my brother has a an enormous following and he's been doing this for many years. So, it makes sense to me that um, people usually find me through him and I'm always really excited when they don't know who he is. Um, and the only time that it made me upset was the very first time that I was recognized out in the real world. I was so excited. Well, it was like, I say real world. It was yeah. like in air quotes because it was um, at a convention for like construction, whatever. Um, but this guy comes up to me and he goes, oh my gosh, he goes, you're Jesse, you're I, Jessup. I watch your videos. And I was like, oh my gosh, someone knows who I am. And he was like, yeah, you're Ben's wife. And I was like, no. <laughs> no. No. Not yeah. wife. <laughs> Sister. Sister. It's like such a wonderfully humbling moment where I'm like, ha ha, I'm yes. famous. Yes. But yeah. Oh, well. All right. So given that, honestly, I don't really know your story for like, how did you get into trying things you don't know how to do and figuring <laughs> it out? Um, so my story is very silly. Um, about five, no, actually six years ago now, um, Ben, my brother, had a conversation with me and he was like, hey, you're not really doing anything interesting with your life. Um, do you want to move to Boston and work for me? And I was like, sure, why not? So 
at that point, he was working on uh, some apartment buildings. He bought some property and he was going to build these apartment buildings that he was going to live in. And he said, well, when those are finished, why don't you move out and uh, we'll see how it goes. It's like, okay. So a year after that, I quit my jobs. I drove across the country and I was like, hey, I'm here. And um, I, I thought that I was just going to be doing like background stuff for him. Like that was kind of the loose agreement we had was, oh, you hate sanding and painting and doing anything that isn't exciting. And I love that stuff because I love doing things that nobody else likes to do. It's like, this is going to be perfect. And like about two months in, he's like, okay, so uh, what are you going to call your YouTube channel? I was like, oh, I don't want to do YouTube. And he was like, no, you have to start your own channel. I was like, no, no, I really don't want to. And he said, you have to. And I said, okay. (laughs) So that's how I started my YouTube channel. (laughs) Just totally bullied into it by my big brother. Um, But uh, I mean, it's been fun because as kids, I'm, I'm the last of four kids and uh, all growing up, this is just stuff that we did. It was like, there's lumber and there's tools in the garage, you know, just don't kill yourself and do whatever you want. Uh, so we grew up doing that. We'd make furniture for our playhouse or our doll's house, or uh, we made a lot of bows and arrows and rubber band guns, much to my mother's chagrin. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was just kind of a part of us growing up is just if you want something, you have to figure out how to make it for yourself. So uh, Ben has, uh, he's turned that into his business. And then I came along for the ride and here I am today. Awesome. Okay. So youngest of four. Yes. Obviously Ben is a brother. Are the other two brothers as well? Or do you have like another brother or sister? I have another brother and a sister. So Nate is the oldest. He lives in Argentina. Um, Ben is my, you know, everyone knows who <laughs> yeah. Ben is, and I live with him too. Uh, and then my sister, Emily, uh, she lives in LA, and she actually works with the Homeless Coalition and is on Neighborhood City Council, and she's basically saving the world, like LA first. So, <laughs> Well, you know, that's fair, because in all of the end of the world movies, LA is the first one to go. So really, I feel sense. like that is where she needs to like start her efforts. Oh, yeah. And if anyone can single handedly save the world, like my money's on my sister. She's 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 kind of amazing. Well, <laughs> she's I- a terrible human being and I hate her, but she's kind of amazing. Well, I feel like all of you are pretty like... I'd say driven, I mean, because, you know, Ben's done a lot of stuff through his channel and work too, like humanitarian type, like, so I want to know a little bit more about you guys growing up. Did you guys grow up in California or like what kind of, besides having access to tools and lumber and doing what you want, like what was your upbringing like? Well, um, so we grew up in a small town north of Santa Barbara, California, it's called Buellton. And, uh, and I say town because when we moved there, it was not a city. I, I remember when they put in the first stoplight. I remember because I watched them because it's very exciting. Um, <laughs> we were all homeschooled. So <laughs> there's that. That had a lot to do with who we are now um, in good ways and bad, mostly good. Uh, so my, my mom taught all of us from kindergarten through 12th grade. And uh, she, both of my parents are very hands-on people. They're very capable. They both have huge imaginations. And they never told us what we should be or even what we could be. It was more like, what do you want? And what are you going to work hard for? Like, go for what you think is interesting um, and see what happens. So there was never any push to do anything really. It was just kind Mm -hmm. of like explore and learn and be creative. And uh, um, I don't know, it was, it was just a really, it was a very free upbringing, um, especially being homeschooled because we had opportunities to do things that, you know, you don't really get to do if you're, if you're basically in your, your work school from Mm -hmm. nine to three or whatever. I don't even know. I never went to school. <laughs> I don't know what it <laughs> means to go to school. My first day of college was just such a culture shock for me. <laughs> uh, 
but that's, I mean, that's awesome. And I must say your mom is a saint and I can speak to that like greatly after attempting to homeschool my children for the last, you know, three months, thanks to COVID. Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So no, thank you. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a lot different when it's like, surprise, you're a homeschool mom now. Like, okay, well I wasn't prepared for this. Um, so I, I have like, I mean, I have a lot of respect for, for my mom and, and what she did and also just attempted to do with the four of us, but I can't even imagine what it would be like to just one day be like, Oh, you know, those kids you have that are supposed to go to school while you live your life. Like, guess what? <laughs> Things are going to change right now. Yeah. Um, yes. Love them to death. And my mom was a teacher, um, in her career. And so like, I always had much respect for teachers and like what they do, especially in the public school system. And, all that they deal with. So I've always believed that teachers should be paid like a million dollars a year for Absolutely. what they do. <laughs> um, but this made it like more concrete. I'm like, you can't like, it is, I think it's definitely a decision thing, right? Like it is almost impossible to homeschool and like you can't work full time while you're homeschooling. It's just oh, absolutely. Like <laughs> um, my my mom and dad had this conversation when my oldest brother, who's now like, uh, I don't know how old he is. He's nine years older than I am. He's in his mid forties. Um, <clears throat> so my mom said, you know, I really think that I want to homeschool our children. And my dad was like, okay. I was like, but you know, that means that like I won't be able to get a job. Like. You're going to have to be the, the sole provider. And my dad's like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like my, my parents are, are just hilarious people where my mom, my mom is just like, oh, I got this idea and I'm going to do this thing. And my dad's like, sure, you know, right. your boat. <laughs> like he's just very supportive and like whatever she wants to do. It's like, that sounds great, I guess. Go for it. Yeah. So he was really supportive. You know, he worked long and crazy hours um, throughout my entire childhood so that, you know, all, all four of us were always fed and clothed like mm-hmm. we didn't really have any money which I didn't know until we were much older <laughs> like a lot of the go build your own thing was like yeah we don't have money to buy stuff so just go figure it out yourself yeah and but it was never it never felt like anything it just felt like childhood mm-hmm. so I mean big ups to my parents for that yeah exactly exactly all right so culture shock college but what'd you go to college for I went because, well, the the main reason that I started going to Santa Barbara City College was, okay, I got to figure out what school is like, you know, and and I I know I'll never be able to understand what, you know, elementary school and high school was like, that's just too late for that. Like, I, I want to experience school in some capacity. So I went to City College and, you know, I took all the basic classes, whatever. And then I took a few that I was interested in. I didn't really know I was going, which is why I dropped out after two years. So I'm like, I don't know why I'm going. I have three jobs already. (laughs) Like, why am I going to school? I don't have time for this. Uh, So I just quit. But um, yeah, college was interesting because for me, the worst part about school was the other students. I couldn't handle it. I, I don't even know why you're here. You you don't want to be here. You don't want to learn. Like, like on your phone all the time. And that was in flip phone days. Like, there's nothing to do on your phone. What are you doing? Stop it. So Except just, for play snake. You could play, play snake. snake, which is the best thing. Um, I miss snake. <laughs> you can find it on Roku now, FYI. Oh, really? Yeah, because my, my son found, like, we have Roku on all of our TVs. And during quarantine my son found um all of these free games on roku you know and he's thinking he's thinking they're like big deal like you know video games and i'm like oh that's snake you know that's that was like the one game yeah exactly (laughs) that's the other thing you do on your phone besides make a phone call (laughs) that's right yeah um all right so eventually you got around, Ben uh, talks you into, you know, coming out and doing some crazy stuff and starting being bullied into uh, starting <laughs> a YouTube channel. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, I mean, I remember seeing some of those, you know, I always appreciated seeing 
some of your projects because they seemed definitely out of the box compared to like the traditional like quote unquote like maker projects you know mm. um that you see out there of like the furniture and the DIY home remodel stuff like um like the bags and stuff you made I thought those <laughs> were pretty sweet <laughs> <laughs> those are pretty fun yeah um so what's the journey been like so far I mean I feel like there's um I mean, so many people that I know in this in this uh, community, they're like always working on something like, oh, I want to get really good at this. And, you know, I've been working on my dovetails and I made this beautiful box or, you know, I made this chair and it's gorgeous. And I'm like, I just want to make something that doesn't fall apart you know, <laughs> when you look at it. Like, I don't, I don't really want to be good at something. That's not my goal. I don't want to be a professional or you know this is the person who does these things I'm like I just want to know how to do things and mm -hmm. um plywood is really great for that because <laughs> it's just like it's like having I don't know like an erector set or something like mm -hmm. that it's kind of like okay there's a puzzle you just have to cut the pieces and then put them together um so my my journey as being a maker is going to be a forever journey because I will never focus on one thing. There's too much that's really interesting. And um, like I always think I, I was uh, visiting a friend a couple years ago and he was showing me this apartment building that he bought and it was totally run down and everything. So we walk in, he's like, yeah, so here's where I have to fix the foundations. And this is where I got to tear down these walls. I'm going to put up new walls. The windows need to be redone. Like I have to do the electrical. And I was just thinking, you know how to do all these things. That's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. I just want to be able to walk into a space and be like, okay, this can be fixed by me. Also this, 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 this. And there's no limit. Like I would love to be able to make, you know, perfect wooden joinery, but it's never going to be my goal to like study that forever. I, I would rather be able to, you know, fix the fuse that, blue or you know change a tire or whatever mm -hmm. you know I just I want to know all the things I don't need to know one thing perfectly I just want to know a little bit of everything do you find yourself and I ask this as somebody who does this herself do you find yourself like you're halfway through one project and then you get the idea for the next project and you're like I don't know if I really want to finish this project or if I want to just go on to starting that new thing and try it out because like I feel like I've done what I need to do with this one. If you get halfway through a project before <laughs> you decide that, you're, you, you've got way more of a tension span than I do. Because <laughs> I'm like, okay, I pulled out all the materials and made a mess. Now I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> now I have to clean this up before I try the other thing and I'm mm -hmm. just going to go to bed. <laughs> like, that's, that's kind of me. I, I mean, I, I am a collector of materials. I have materials to make anything you could think of and I have sewing machines and I have leather working tools and I have woodworking tools I've just got blacksmithing tools I've got everything I have two anvils and no forge um <laughs> I just I, I want to be able to to think of something be like oh I'm just gonna go try that out and there'll be no limitations on the aspects that I use like wood metal fabrics whatever um, but I don't really have the space for that right now. So that's in the works. I'm just going to cross my fingers on that. Is that coming with the uh, house at Joshua Tree? Is that the hope? That is the half hope. So the, the idea be behind um, getting this small house and, and um, making it <laughs> even somewhat livable, like the original idea was that I would fix it up. It would be completely my project and then um, I would sell it and since Ben bought the property whatever work I put into it um, to raise the value when we sold it we would split the profit so that was the original idea um, but this is like the first time I've ever owned property so I'm being super maternal about it I'm thinking <laughs> well I could build this specifically to me and the things that I like which nobody else cares about but um, at, at this point I want to focus on the house first, obviously, because I, I would like to move in there someday. Uh, but there's also going to be some little outbuildings. So I want to have a full uh, wood shop. I want to have a forge and then a separate 
small structure that is just for textiles. So no sawdust or metal shavings mm -hmm. will ever enter this space because I want to be able to lay out fabric for the first time in my life. It is so hard doing a fabric project at my house because everything is covered in a layer of sawdust. Like you can't let anything touch the floor, otherwise it has to be washed immediately. It's like, it's such a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, I understand that. Like I don't even have, I've had a total beginner welder forever because um, I want to be able to do my own like table legs and stuff like that mm -hmm. but since I'm a, especially since I do power carving there's like two inches of sawdust on my shop floor at all oh, times yeah. <laughs> like oh, yeah. sawdust welding do not go together <laughs> whatsoever so someday when you know when we reach that dream and have like all that land so I can have separate buildings, I am with you there having separate buildings for different things. Yeah, it makes such a difference because it's great having the tools to do more than one thing. But if you don't also have like, and it doesn't have to be huge, but some designated space, then it just makes it so difficult because you have to finish this part of the project before you go on to a different thing, even if it's within the same project, like building a table and then building the legs for it. Um, there's no like back and forth. You have to be like, okay, I'm doing the wood part, then I have to do all the cleanup, and then I have to do the metal part. Oh, I forgot this in the wood part. Now I have to do right. this cleanup. And it's just, oh. It's so discouraging. It is. <laughs> that cleaning is just no fun is really what no. you're trying to say. Yeah, I don't want to do that. I, I love cleaning at the end of the day to signify this part is finished. I am just like cleansing myself of all of this, but I don't want to do it in the middle of the project. No. Not cool. No. All right. I'm going to do a totally weird transition here because I know okay. that you are a sci-fi fantasy Josh, <laughs> Joss Whedon fan. So I have to bring that up. <laughs> yes, yes. Is there going to be more to the Fool Fly series is one question I have. I, I am hopeful. So there, there are seven of us um, from the original Fool Fly crew. And um, it, I know that we all want to do more videos. Part of the problem is they just take a lot of pre-planning, <laughs> you know, and it can be, it can be difficult to like, because I, I know I try to like really ingrain the storyline into what it is I'm building. Like it's mm -hmm. not just, let me just cut from here to just, hey, here's Jess in the desert, like building a random thing. Um, so the, it, like the themed builds take a lot more time, but um, I'm, I am hopeful for more because uh, we have now out in Joshua Tree, our, our Mal, who is Brett from Skull and Spade 13, he mm -hmm. bought a property out in Joshua Tree and is like moved out to join the Maker Ranch crew. And then um, Ellen, who is our Kaylee from Crafts with Ellen, uh, you know, barring the whole we're not allowed to visit each other ever again thing <laughs> she'll be coming out soon ish i say soon ish um who knows when it'll be but um i know that you know she has a she had an invitation before the world fell mm -hmm. apart uh, so i'm hoping that the three of us can whip something up because it's a lot of fun and i i get such a kick out of people reaching out and being like oh my gosh you love firefly as much as i do and i'm like no i love it more than you do <laughs> so i was uh, this is somewhat of like know, business related content creator related question with that so since like I have decided this year I'm going to do some projects that are totally going to like let my geek flag fly and let people be aware, you know, <laughs> of some of these other things that I'm into besides Wonder Woman. Um, have you seen like a crossover? Like have there been like Firefly fans who are like huge Firefly fans like find your channel and your guys' stuff because of that? Um, I... I, I haven't seen any of that. Uh, it, it, it's always hard to say where people come from because <laughs> um, yeah. I'm never quite sure. You know, um, Make Magazine has been really generous with promoting the, the Fool Fly stuff. But I, I mean, I feel like being a maker kind of inherently makes you a little bit nerdy. <laughs> like, Probably, <laughs> like <it's>, yeah. <laughs> it, it, like it seems to go hand in hand. Like yeah. if, if I talk about Firefly or like 
Full Metal Alchemist, there's always a handful of people who are like, oh my gosh, <laughs> hey, <laughs> we're going to be best friends now. Uh, yeah, that's um, right. <laughs> so there, there is that crossover. I don't know how much crossover there is from just the, the purist nerds, um, but what I'm hoping for is that there's going to be more of a cosplay crossover because, I mean, people who do cosplay, like for real, are incredible mm-hmm. they make the coolest things and um we've, we've started to joke where it's like cosplay cause real because like you know I, ma- I made a sword for river and mm-hmm. brett made the axe and you definitely can't take those to comic-con because they <laughs> they will chop you up um so it's like this whole like cosplay cause real like we we know they're not actual like professionally done weapons but there's some aspect of it and plus the fact that you know we we buy parts of our costumes and then we make other parts and which is like it took me longer to make river's battle dress than it did for me to make the sword (laughs) (laughs) and i actually had to make the dress two and a half times just because the first one fell off of me and then i was like oh it needs to be smaller and then the second one i couldn't put on so (laughs) it was it was problematic but um I think that there can be such a wonderful crossover between the cosplay and the maker world because we're doing very similar things. Um, just the the materials will vary. Like, I mean, like mm-hmm. Bob does a lot of his, that stuff. Yeah. On his, yeah. Um, like I know he just made a foam mask from, um, uh, I want to say it's from Avatar. I think. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. But, um, well, and, but, and Donovan, um, once upon, Once upon a, work, a workbench. Work oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. With with his uh, Legend of Zelda apron that yes. I love so much. <laughs> yeah, and and you're right. The cosplay world definitely. There's a lot of crossover there. Um, yeah, they're like magicians. It's, yeah. it's really cool. That I mean, that's an interesting point though. Too. I mean, I've only been to one maker conference, like Workbench Con, which you know for some reason has gotten the notion that it's like a woodworking conference but it's not (laughs) but it would be interesting to see more you know uh people who are making in the textile world like show up because that's like hugely interesting to me or like the leather working type stuff you know but we don't see that at least not at that conference right um i think like i've been to like all the conferences. Um, and I think that it, it, it's great to have this idea. It's like, this is a conference for makers, but that's like, each one has its own little niche. Like one thing that I think is super cool about WorkbenchCon specifically is that it has the, the makers on YouTube and then it has the bloggers, which mm-hmm. like our worlds do not collide that much. No. Like you might think like, oh, you, you blog about it. You make videos about it. They're so separate. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there's so many bloggers who like do amazing things and we just, we're not really in touch with them because they're not on YouTube. And like Instagram is that nice crossover where mm-hmm. everyone is on Instagram. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like I, I think that the, the maker conferences, like they could all do better in the way of just saying, Hey, we're for makers, but we also focus more on these things. Like WorkbenchCon mm. is more about taking classes and talking to the people who've been really successful and hearing what they did. Um, uh, Maker Summer School is more about like hands-on. If you've never done this before, try this thing out. And then like Maker Summer Camp is just like, let's go, I'll go outside and make a mess and lots of noise. Like, <laughs> like everyone, like they're, they're all great because they're all different from each other. There's, mm-hmm. I think it's cool because there's no competition between the, oh, the conferences, yeah. like, because you get something different out of each one of them. You can, you can go to the one you like the best because it serves your needs more, or you could go to all of them and learn anything you want, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, there's, there's, there's no, um, or, or rather, there, it's not specifically for woodworking. And I think that's something that we all need to try and shy away from is like putting specifics on it. Yeah. Um, and opening it up more to everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So to get today's podcast episode is sponsored by Bad Workwear North America. They are an Australian-based workwear brand that launched in the U.S. and Canada last fall. Now, I haven't tried their gear yet myself, 
but have heard great things about their gear from our friends in the maker community, especially women who are excited to find workwear that looks great and fits right. They carry a woman's line of items, but based on the slim fit of uh, all their clothing, all their line is considered unisex as women have great success just sighting down in the men's items and getting a great fit. If you want to check them out, visit www.badnorthamerica.com and use the code MAKERMOM10 at checkout to get 10% off your order. All right, let's head back into the episode. Um, like I'd like to see, you know, some more metal workers and just more all around like Bob or, you know, Donovan, like they do all kinds of different stuff. It's not like right. one sole category type of thing. Right. Yeah. There's um, one thing I noticed with uh, Maker Central from the first year to the second year was the first year it was like, okay, there's a lot of things to see and a lot of people to talk to. But one thing that we really pushed for on the second year was having um, all the, the UK blacksmiths from the Forge UK, they came, brought all their anvils and setups, and they, they actually do this like all the time. They do demonstrations and classes. And so they came in, we're like, okay, right, we're going to let anyone who wants to forge have a go. And they were slammed with a line from the oh, second sure. they opened to the <laughs> second they closed. And I think that giving access to the things that are lesser known is really important in in the maker crowd and we can all say like we are aware of blacksmithing or leather working or sewing but people don't necessarily do that having a a, a shop in your garage doesn't mean you have a sewing machine like, right <laughs> you know ellen had uh, we, we got sewing machines for Ellen to give a class and it was packed every single time. She did, I think, a total of four classes for like 30 to, to 45 minutes. And everyone just came and be like, I've never used a sewing machine. Please tell me how. And one thing that I learned about people is they are scared of sewing machines. Like these guys that I know who are woodworkers and they're using table saws right. all day long and they get on the sewing machine. They're like, it goes so fast. <laughs> But it's not going to do anything. Like, do you think it can so over your sausage finger? Come on. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, just that exposure to, to things you're not familiar with is more important than even exploring the thing that you already kind of know because it opens up your mind to different possibilities. And mm -hmm. I think that being a maker is more about uh, being a puzzle solver than actually like creating something. It's like DIY and, and the maker world is like, what do I have in this room that I could create a dollhouse out of? And it could be literally anything and it can be as good as you want it to be. Or you can just put no effort into it and be like, okay, this was a prototype. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, I think you're absolutely right. I, I often will tell, um, especially if someone like on the podcast, it's a woman who's new to making and she's like, you know, well, I don't know much. I make lots of mistakes. And I'm like, no, being a maker is just about problem solving and all that the people who have 20 years into it have on you is they've just gotten better at hiding their mistakes. Like <laughs> they make mistakes every single time they do a project. I can guarantee it. They're just better at figuring problem solving how to fix it or make it not seen. Yeah, and like um, something that I encounter a lot with um, when talking to people about their build projects is like, oh, it, it, you know, this came out so good. And they're like, yeah, but this and this and this. I'm like, well, have you ever made this thing before? No? Okay, well, then this is amazing. Like nine times out of 10, what we're creating in front of a camera is something we've never done before. Right. So <laughs> why are we so hard on ourselves? Like, oh, did you think it was going to be perfect? Like how narcissistic are you? <laughs> like, Get over yourself and just like, we, we have a rule in our house and that is it's, it, it's um, proof of concept. 
So if you can prove that this would work, if you put more time and effort into it, <laughs> then it's solid. Like right. if one corner comes together perfectly, then you know, the other ones could have, if you tried harder, which right. we don't always try that hard <laughs> because why would you, it's about like making the thing and figuring out if it works. And if we wanted to make another one, it would be better. And uh, whatever you learn from this project goes directly into the next project, no matter what it is. So it, just that's something I always have to remind myself because I am I'm a super perfectionist and I'm so terrible at all the things I've done like I've I've done welding in one project because I've tried it in about seven and I cannot get the things to stick together like, it's like okay it worked this time and I like push it a little bit and it all just falls apart I'm terrible at welding but um the the the, the thing I have to remember is okay, if I were better at welding with this whole project, like the project as a whole, is it feasible? Yes. Okay. Move forward with that thought. Like, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to sand to, you know, 4,000 grit on every table that I make. Um, but I will remind people that it will look better if you do. Right. <laughs> totally up to you. If you want to do it, go ahead. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> very lazy. <laughs> hey, no, you know, uh, as someone who act who also sells the things that she makes, I have learned that the average person cannot by touch really tell the difference of whether I stopped at 220 or went to 4,000. They can't tell. <laughs> 220 is like the golden number of grit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if you hit 220, you're fine. That's right. <laughs> Anything under that and it's like, eh, but 220. Yeah, we, we stand at 220 and then just yeah. forget about it. But I, like I, I, one reason why I, I never want to sell things is because I don't know that I want to put that much time and effort into it. Like I, I really, I respect you and everyone who sells things because you're like, okay, this is good. Go out into the world, little one, be free, like <laughs> represent me where I'm like, okay, well, this corner didn't quite meet up. And like, oh, oh and no, you're giving me way too much credit because <laughs> trust me, that whole, it's just, I've gotten better at hiding it. And that's the joy to me of power carving is I can say that was just a design change. Yes, it's a feature, <laughs> not a flaw. That's I totally right. meant to do that. That's right. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to find me to be the one doing, I probably will never, I don't really have a desire to do hand cut dovetails or anything like that. It's just not my nature. Yeah. Um, I, Yeah. I, I am definitely the person of it's good enough <laughs> and it will pass. I started out super perfectionist and then I realized I would have to charge like $10,000 for everything I sold to pay for my time. So yep. I can't be that person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I like I always go back to dovetails because it's something that's common enough, but also when you do it right, you know that you've done it right because it, it mm -hmm. makes a big difference. I, I would love to one day make a project that includes dovetails because I've never done it and I would like to learn. And then I can say, I've done it. I don't ever have to do it again. It's like that time I jumped off the cliff into the water. I did it. I never have to do it again. <laughs> I'm not a chicken, but also I hated that. <laughs> That's a sanded in oil finish for me. If you have never done a sanded in oil finish, uh, it was a beginner woodworking class and that was the finish we were required to do on our project. And I went up to like 600 grit, I think with the sanded in oil finish. Now that wood feels like glass. It's gorgeous. Yeah. You know, it's a gorgeous piece that I'll keep forever, but I'm like, no. So if anyone ever asks for that type of finish, I'm like, sure, $5,000 just for the finish. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm at the point where like, if I want to do something that nice, it'll be, you know, something I make for my mom out of the walnut tree that we cut down mm -hmm. out of her backyard. And, yep. you know, that'll be that. <laughs> but I'm over here making plywood furniture, yeah. so I can't really <laughs> care about that too much. <laughs> All right, so I'm, t I'm ready to get into the unconventional Jesse, which is, okay, you are, I'm still going to say one of the few uh, well-known women makers, I'll put it that way, yeah. you know, in this space. Um, still, you, especially YouTube-wise, I would say the space is predominantly men. Mm -hmm. um, so 
how has I, have you had any experience with that? I mean, you do get the benefit, I think, to some degree of being Ben's sister. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, that has been a lifelong thing where I've always had this layer of protection, and his name is Ben, the yeah. world champion in karate, the former football player. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's interesting to me. I um, at, at WorkbenchCon, I sat down with a couple people, and one of them was um, – Caleb Kraft from Make Magazine, who is just Mm -hmm. such a stellar person. I just enjoy him so much. And he was just asking questions, you know, like it was me and April was there and, um, and Maker Gray, whose first name I can never remember because I always think of her as Maker Gray. Erin, Erin, she's awesome, but uh, Maker Gray, which is a cool name. I wish that was my name. (laughs) Um, So, you know, there's a few of us, Ben is there, um, and Caleb says specifically to us girls, he's like, so, you know, what is it like for you being like a female in this predominantly male world? And, and I'm just like, you know, I've only been in like the makery world for like five years. Like I've been a girl all my life. It's no different. Like I have always <laughs> been a girl and I worked in the service industry for 16 years. Like the world is terrible to us. So it wasn't like now I'm here and it's predominantly male. Nothing has changed. I'm still me and people are still people. And there's nothing that has been said to me on YouTube that has not been said to my face while at work when I'm just trying to serve people food. <laughs> like there's So for me, that's, that's not even a thing. It's just like, I've been a girl all my life. I know how to be a girl and I know how to handle the people who walk up to me and have really interesting things to say um having said that's nice of you to put it that way (laughs) (laughs) well so i here's my unconventional idea and that is something that i see a lot that actually really worries me is not that a guy will come up and say something just completely terrible it is what is my response to that and how am i going to not change what he thinks but give him something to think about like if he comes up to me and says something rude and I say something rude back, he walks away going like knowing, yeah, I was right. Like girls suck. They're terrible. They're the worst. Like I know that I can look at him and be like, you know what you said is kind of creepy. Like, is that, are you meaning to be creepy? Or like, did you, do you not know how to just come up and say hello? Or, you know, I want to know who you are for whatever reason. Like I like to put like the, the burden on me to be like, what is it that you're trying to say? Are you trying to be terrible? Or do you just not know how to talk to someone? Because most often it's ignorance, right? It's ignorance and very poor upbringing. And if someone came up to me a question with a question that was totally ignorant, like what is a two by four made of? Would I say, are you an idiot? What is wrong with you? Get away from me. Like that doesn't help anything. Right. So like, I feel like it's an opportunity for me to be like, hey, what is it that you're trying to do? Because if you're trying to be creepy, okay, cool. Go be creepy somewhere else. Like, that's, <laughs> I don't want that here. But it's such an opportunity for me and, and for anyone to be like, I can stop that negative idea where if, if he walks away thinking, hmm, I just had an interaction with a girl and it wasn't terrible. Why was that? Like, I mean he might just walk away being like, oh, the girls are dumb and I, you know, whatever. (laughs) But at least I know I did something. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it sucks when you go to Home Depot and one of two things happen. First one is you try and get a sheet of three quarter inch plywood and everyone stands around and watches you to see if you can do it. And the second thing is when you have a single two by four and five (laughs) people go, can I help you carry that? (laughs) No, you may not. That's right. But my reaction to those really stupid and rude comments is everything. So I, I, have, I, have, I have had so many things said to me, like, this, this seems like a nice family-friendly podcast, so I'm not going to tell you what they are. <laughs> but it is almost impossible to offend me because, like, you actually really have to mean it and I have to care what you think. Because if you walk up to me on the street, I automatically don't care what you think. Right. I don't know you. <laughs> like, 
Like, Katie, I care what you think because I know you. But someone who walks up on the street and says something terrible, it doesn't bother me. It's more of a, okay, this is so interesting that that was your first line. Why is it that you said that? I'm more curious than anything. If you catcall, I want to know why. Does that work for you? Because if it does, it's the fault of those girls. Right. <laughs> like, like, they're the ones who need to change their behavior. Um. But, I don't think, yeah. I mean, I don't think that's totally unconventional. And honestly, I'm not surprised given what I've heard your brother say. I think you both <laughs> say similar to things. <laughs> so given that, I'm, I'm guessing that somewhat of how you were raised um, mm-hmm. has probably plays a lot into that. And I think that, I think that is awesome. And I think also that's a very valid point that you've always been a girl in a world that is not meant actually for women. <laughs> so, <laughs> Like they're, they're just starting now to make room for us to be people too. Like, right. oh, okay, I guess we can have like, instead of just like, here's people and then here's women. It's like, <laughs> oh, I guess we're all people. Let's make some room. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, honestly, uh, there's, there's a big part of me that, that is sad because through most of my life, like girls have not been nice to me. Like, if I walked into a room that was all guys, be like, sweet, let's play video games right. and just like be dorks. I walk into a room with a bunch of girls and they're judging me from the second I walk in. And and I think that's something that we all need to remember as females is that we we build each other up a lot, but we also tear each other down in just the most cruel ways. Like it's, it's, it's so, there, there's a quote from Seinfeld where Elaine is making fun of Jerry and George because they're like giving wedgies and she's like, that's so juvenile. And like, well, how do girls like, what's the girl version of a wedgie? And Elaine goes, oh, we tease each other until we develop eating disorders. I'm like That is so accurate. Like there's, there's so much mean judgment. And um, like, I, I've always been really good friends with guys ever since I was a kid because I was the kid making bows and arrows and like running without shoes on the on the blacktop to prove that my feet were the most disgusting in the neighborhood. Um, <laughs> and then like getting a little bit older, all that got for me from the girls was just like, who are you? Why are you friends with this guy? Are you trying to steal my boyfriend? I was like, I don't want your boyfriend. Like, I think I, I just want to have fun. <laughs> I think I went to this. Oh, yeah. I went to this. um, It was a very small conference here in Iowa for um, women who create like who are business owners, but of a creative business. And somebody brought that up. Like there was a panel up front and they said, you know, we get more judgment from other women than we do from men. And the answer to it kind of like really clicked for me because I've had the same experience like I've talked to other uh, women about the Haven conference and I'm like, I can't go there. Like I already know what those judgments are going to be about me and I don't (laughs) need to be there for that. Um, But what they said is, is because basically the way the world works and the systems that are in place, uh, patriarchy, um, the way it is set up (laughs) is that, is that women are, <laughs> yes, our women are basically think that we have to compete for the one single space that is available for other. a woman with each other. Instead of going, huh, there could be two of us at that table or three right. of us at that table. Um, so you're right. We shouldn't be tearing each other down. But I think, too, I want to push back and just say, like, there's some responsibility on our male counterparts to make sure that they open up those seats for us as well. Like, so that competition isn't there. It's like there is enough room at the table because there's just enough room at the table. Like, everybody can be here. Right. And I, I think that's that's kind of an ongoing problem is how do we make things open without pushing people to do things? Like, you know, it's, it's great when you have, um, you know, there's a, a panel of people and it's open to everyone. And, uh, but I know for a lot of women that I know, it's like, oh, well, I hope I'm picked. And the guys are like, pick me, you know? So there's also some of that. I think that, you know, the whole thing where like, 
uh, if you know if a woman is assertive, then she's bossy and blah blah yeah. blah. So yeah. we have so much to work on. Like I'm not gonna lie, there's again, so many again, things that we have to fix. I feel this patriarchy seems come in place. So just just saying. But, but I appreciate your what you feel like is not a standard answer to that. I think um, there definitely is room to educate. Um, and I feel like to me, it depends on my mood for that day on whether I feel like educating or just Ooh, walking absolutely. away. <laughs> absolutely. Like there, there was, you know, I'm like 98% of the time I'm like really good about, okay, like let's figure out what's actually going on here. But there was one time when I just started on a cross country road trip. It was six o'clock in the morning. I had just driven out of Boston. I stopped to get some snacks, put some air in my tires. You know, so I'm, I've got the, got the hose stuck to my tire and I'm just waiting, watching it fill up. And this guy walks up and be like, oh, do you want some help with that? And I looked at him, I said, do you mean the thing that I'm literally doing right now? Do I need help doing what I'm doing right now? <laughs> No, I don't need help. Like, I was so mad just because I'm doing the thing. I'm not right. standing there holding the hose, like trying to put it in my gas tank. Like, and, like this, but that is a moment when I, when I totally failed. But um, I, I, I know that there's, there's this thing that guys do where they're like, I'm just trying to be helpful. And so I was like, okay, great. You should always be helpful. Before you say something, though, if it were a dude, if it were a dude, uh, you know, would you do the same thing? Mm -hmm. If it were, if it were a, a, you know, a six foot tall guy with a beard who's putting air in his tires at six o'clock in the morning, <laughs> I'm not a morning person. Would you walk up to him and literally ask him if he needs help doing the thing that he's already doing? Because if not, then maybe your question is not a very valid question. Try instead just walking up and saying, hi. <laughs> it could also be a little creepy, but you got to start somewhere. Like, That's right. I mean, there's, there's no problem with seeing someone being like, hey, you are attractive to me. I'm going to walk up and be a normal person and say right. hello. <laughs> I, I, I used to work at this restaurant and uh, it was my friend's restaurant. They just opened up. Um, I'd been in the business for years. So they're like, can you come help like train people and be like the one person who knows what they're doing amongst all the, <laughs> everyone else who worked in the front of the um, front of the house was an 18 to 22 year old boy. It was hilarious. Greatest guys ever. I remember having a conversation with this one kid. I think he was maybe 19 or 20 at the time. And he's telling me about this girl he has a crush on. And he's just like, she's so cool. And I really like her. And I was like, well, have you talked to her? He's like, I don't know what to say to her. And it's like, what does that mean? He's like, well, I don't know how to talk to girls. I'm like, hello. Like, <laughs> you are talking to me. I am a girl. And he goes, well, you're different. And I was like, how is that different? It's like, well, we're friends. I was like, there's your problem is like there's this weird disconnect between like I am attracted to you and you are my friend like do you not want to be attracted to someone who could be your friend like to me that's like the best of both worlds like you are awesome also like I'd like to spend extra time with you um but there is this weird thing that that guys do it's like I don't know how to talk to girls it's like well just pretend that they're going to be a person that you're interested in like what they have to say and go ask a question and since it's a girl I'm not going to be gender biased but I'm going to say she's probably going to have a 10 minute long answer for you <laughs> I mean I know I love to talk about myself <laughs> but um yeah I, I mean there's there's a lot that has to be fixed but there's there's so much we can do in just not being upset I think like I will always feel those pangs of uh you know, like, why, why do you have to, like, stand there and stare at me? Like, you're waiting for me to fail or give me a pat on the back if I do something totally normal. Right. I will always <laughs> feel that. You know, as long as it happens, I will always feel that. But, like, the better I respond, the, the better their opinion of me as a girl, as a person, as a whatever, they walk away with a little bit something more. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I just... 
I just, I just want to not be angry. I have a real anger problem. So I'm like trying to work on that and just be more introspective, but also I want to know what the other person is thinking and why they're thinking that. Like, I want to know how you came to this conclusion. And then Are you I will sure tell you, you didn't... your opinion's valid. <laughs> Are you sure you didn't miss, like, your calling as, like, a psychology major or something? <laughs> oh, my <like> God. <laughs> this, this was my thing throughout working in the service industry because, like, I worked in restaurants. I worked in libraries. Um, I did, like, symphony production management. I did so many things where I worked with people and um, being in a position of power and then being the total underling and anywhere in between. And it just gave me so many opportunities to just study people and, like, who they really are and what I find uh, a, a person of value to be. Like, one of my my biggest things is if I go to a restaurant with another person, their first interaction with our server is going to tell me more about them than if I listen to them for an hour. Um, because it's, it's how you treat people um, that you might think you're better than. Mm-hmm. And like, and I, I have, I have been treated really terribly. Like the amount of times that I have had to walk up to a customer and, and tell them, do not snap your fingers for me. I have a name. If you want to know what it is, I'll tell you. I'm not going to tell you if you don't ask because it's my name and you can't have it. But do not <laughs> snap your fingers at me. In no world is that okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is uh, absolutely true. And I've, in the days where I did date, which is, you know, a long time ago now, but in those days that I did date, that was like the first thing I paid attention to was how do you treat the service staff? Um, uh, I feel like you should always tip above what is the norm because they're, I can guarantee you probably having a crappy day because they're dealing with people. So. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It is it's like, it's, it's such a funny job because there's nothing about the job that is inherently difficult, but it's such a hard job. <laughs> like, it is right. so, so hard, <laughs> like physically and mentally, emotionally, like everything is so just taxing. I miss it. <laughs> you miss it? I, I totally say- miss it. I worked at the same restaurant for 13 years. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. I, I like when I left one of, it was a sushi restaurant, one of my sushi chefs, he was crying and he's like, you're like the restaurant's baby. You grew up here. Like I, I started working there when I was 18. And so they, they watched me from 18 Oh, I like I can't even I can't even remember what I was like back then I um it was more apparent that I'm shy you may not know this but I'm really shy but I work in the service industry so I learned how to pretend I'm not <laughs> like five minutes before I came on this podcast I'm like okay stop drinking coffee drink water take deep breaths like you're just gonna go on and like talk to someone you know and talk right. about yourself you'll be That's fine right. but I'm That's still right. like, oh my god what am I gonna do Oh, they say the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm just, I'm such a dork. I'm a, I'm a pro editor. You have no, nothing to worry <laughs> Perfect. about there. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, so this podcast was three minutes long. Um, <laughs> basically, she said her name and then left. <laughs> <laughs> that was all good. All good. Well, Jesse, I so appreciate you being up for chatting with me and on this new segment of the podcast. Um, and all of those things. And the dog did not growl one single bit the entire I podcast. I did, he might not even be alive. He hasn't <laughs> moved at all. I should probably check on him. He's not my dog. <laughs> Please don't die. <laughs> uh, well, it, it was absolutely my pleasure. And um, like, I, I hope that you know by now that anything you ask me to do, if I can do it, I will say yes, because oh, awesome. I think you're pretty great. Oh, thank you. All right. Again, it was so great to have Jessie on the podcast and to get to talk with her at length about some fun things like Fool Fly. If you are not watching that or have not watched all the episodes of that, you must do that for sure. Um, But great to have her on and you can check out the show notes or description down below to uh, find out how you can follow along with her if you're not already doing so. 
All right, now, if you love this episode and you love all of the other Maker Mom and Wonder Women episodes, then there's a few ways you can support the podcast. One way is really simple, costs no money whatsoever. Just make sure that wherever you're listening to your podcast, you hit that subscribe button. And if you could head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review, that would be awesome as well because it helps other people find the podcast. So that's super easy, anyone can do it, and it's greatly appreciated. Now, if you'd like to support the podcast, Further than that, you can head on over to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Maker Mom Podcast, and there are several different tier levels there. There's a $1, $3, and $5 tier level that come with different merch based on whatever level that you pick. Plus, there's a brand new $30 level if you want to become a sponsor of the podcast and have a huge shout out and get your own midway episode call out for your company. You can head on over and hit to that as well all right so that's option number two you should definitely go check that out now option number three if you aren't looking to support it in an ongoing basis but you still want to rep the podcast you love what you've been hearing you can head on over to the store of freeman furnishings that is me katie freeman and uh, that is where you can find a shirt a maker mom shirt t-shirt it has the maker mom logo on the front and the mom squad listed on the back for the first 65 episodes of the show thus far so you can do that as well so to find that again i'll include the link so you can get easier access to that but to find that you can just go to www.freemanfurnishings.com forward slash shop hit apparel and it's right there for you 